today as we look at this, we're going to deviate kind of from our normal text. We are in line to have a sermon on the lost coin today, and we're going to connect that and go to the book of Psalms chapter 127 with the power of the story and what it is that God is looking. What did we find? Well, we have found a bunch of babies, amen? And what is God telling us about that in a unique way and what he's speaking to our hearts and lives and what he's wanting to do is only he can. And so when we connect these dots, let's think about where we left off. We left off with the story of the good shepherd who went out and searched diligently and found that one little lost sheep. And today, what are we going to find? We're going to find God's design. God's design. Man <clears throat> has a natural propensity to always be searching. We're always looking. Matter of fact, uh, the reason that we're here in this country is because of the restlessness and the spirit of explorers who wasn't content with just living where they were, but they wanted to explore the world. And uh, they would set out in many times back in way back just in some wind driven vessels to go to where they were needing to be exploring. Someone once said the other day, if I would have been one of the founding settlers of the United States of America, we'd all lived on the eastern seaboard because they didn't have much exploration in them. But nevertheless, there was this restlessness of people who wanted to go out of the comfort zone and begin to explore in a new dimension. And so when we think about this, there's this always this desire to explore. When we explored the world and now we can comprehend it in a, in a sphere, in the globe and all that it is and we can comprehend it and understand where all the continents are and the land masses and the bodies of water and all those things, there was this great desire to go to the moon. And what did we do? We went to the moon. Now there's this great desire to get people to Mars and when we get to Mars it'll be the next place. Why? There is this restlessness in man that has a spirit of exploration. And they're always looking. Now, that's in the big picture sense. Now, let's bring that home to an individual person because man's always looking. We're always looking as a people for the next thing. We're trying to explore how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to be a better parent, how to be a better employee. And it's this spirit that's driving us. And so today, many people are looking for God's design or they're looking for the perfect design for their family and God's already given one. Matter of fact, as we think about this, the more that we search for a new way, we abandon the old way. Do you understand that it is antiquated, that it is uncool to raise your family according to the Word of God? According to the premises and the precepts of the Word of God that He's laid out, if you live your life according to the Word of God, they'll call you a kook. Matter of fact, some of your most popular heroes... We'll call you a kook. Matter of fact, we think about this. I was the other day listening to Ben Carson and one of the great conservative commentaries, uh, Bill O'Reilly said, now, Dr. Carson, you really don't believe that the earth is 6,000 years old, do you? That's just crazy that you would believe something like that. And so I loved his answer. He basically said, well, Bill, in his uh, very slow-talking way, he said, it doesn't matter if it's 6,000, 6 million, or whatever it is, God did it. 
The time is irrelevant. It's all about God. But the premise of that is that if you adhere, if you adhere to the premises of the word of God, they'll call you crazy. Well, I am telling you that with all of the helps in our family to try to direct us to be better parents, maybe we just ought to get back to the original design of what God said. So when we think about this in the book of Luke and the power of the story and everything that we've been looking at, here's what it was setting up for. How to take sinners and bring them into the family of God and make them saints. You remember in the beginning of that, he was with just the religious folks, and then he went out and he was with the, the sinners and the tax collectors and the religious folks, and there was that head-on collision. You remember at the end of last week's sermon, Jesus looked at him and he said, I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 just ones. And then at the end of the story of the woman who swept and found the high, looked for the coin and finally found it and threw the party, the Bible says, there is more joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. What is he saying? Well, he is saying that he is trying to get mankind to understand that we were designed to be part of his family. And that there is no brokenness. There is no spirit of rebellion. There is no spirit of obsession that is so great that it cannot be reconciled by the grace of a loving Savior, Jesus Christ, and the finished work of Calvary. And so when we connect these dots and we think about it, let me, let me tee this up for you. In the book of Genesis chapter 5, here's what it says in verse 1. This is a written account of Adam's family. When God created mankind, he made them in his likeness and in his image, in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. Now look at this, verse 3. When Adam lived 130 years, and you thought you were old, 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness. In his own likeness. Now why is this important? Because Adam was made in the image of God. What was the purpose of Adam and Eve? Well, they had a great purpose to rule over the earth, but they had a purpose to procreate and to fill the earth and to reproduce children in the image of God that would worship Him and glorify Him. However, we know that when Adam and Eve sinned and fell short of the glory of God, they were no longer to be able to recreate, to procreate children in the image of God, but they were in Adam's own image. I'm not making this up. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 3, and verse 38, when it goes through the whole genealogy of Jesus, it goes all the way back to Adam, and it tells you, and this one was the son of this one, and this one was the son of this one. And in Luke, chapter eight and verse, uh, chapter 3, and verse 38, it says, and the son of Enosh, and the son of Seth, and the son of Adam, who was the son of God. Wow. That's why Adam didn't need a belly button. He was the son of God. His life source was in the very express image of God but when Adam was created he was him and Eve were going to reproduce children in the image of God that could have children that could glorify God but when they fell short of the glory of God all of a sudden now they're reproducing children in their own image and so now all this Luke 15 has been about the reconciliation of a sinful man back to a holy God 
Religion couldn't do it. I mean, if religion could have done it, it was a, a temporary atonement. It was a temporary patch. It was a Band-Aid. It was a piece of duct tape for, the, for you to understand till the Son of God would come and put on flesh and live a sinless life, die on the cross, be resurrected that a sinful man might be reconciled back to a holy God. That was God's purpose and plan. So now what does that mean for us today? Well, here's what it means. In the, book, in the Bible, in Psalms chapter 127 and verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, they watch over it in vain. In, in vain, you get up early and you stay up late, eating food earned by hard work. Certainly, he gives sleep to the one he loves. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Children are a great reward. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior or the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. Such men will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city's gate. Wow. God's design God's design is so interesting it is so unique that he gives us this divine plan what was his divine plan his divine plan was I have the blueprints for your life I have the pathway for your life I have the the, the, the every measurement every detail every concept of your life and you see, the tragedy is that we think we're staggering around in the dark trying to figure all this out when God already has it figured out. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1 and verse 1, that before, I was, before Jeremiah was born, he was sanctified, set aside for a purpose. He was ordained as a prophet. He was, he was set aside to be a herald of the gospel before he was ever born. Now, the interesting dynamic is that if you have a child... That child has a plan. If you plan to have that child, that child has a plan. If you didn't plan to have that child, that child has a plan. Probably one of the most shocking times, one of the most shocking things I ever had in a conversation with my parents was whenever we found out that we were pregnant for Bradley, we were all shocked. That was not a planned pregnancy. But God had a plan. God needed a male child because God needed a male child for a purpose and a plan. He created our son. I never remember I was sitting at the dinner table when I was telling my parents about it. And I said, Mom, what did you do when you found out you were pregnant for my baby sister? How did you react to that? She said, great, we planned it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I thought my sister all the time was an accident. So whether it was an accident or a plan, God has a plan. Whether you planned it and you think we got this whole thing figured out, or whether you didn't plan it and you think what in the world are we going to do, in the midst of it, God is the author of it. Can you say amen, church? You see, he has a divine plan. And the divine plan is this, that unless the Lord builds a house, its builders work in vain. Now, we could think about that in the literal sense of building a house we could think about that in the spiritual sense of building your spiritual home 
we can think about that in the physical sense of building your spiritual home and your spiritual family and all of your children. But here's what I want you to understand. That regardless of how you go about it, if God is not at the center of it, you do it in vain. Now understand something very clearly in this passage of scripture. It doesn't say unless God does it for you. You do it in vain. No, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders build in vain. God's not going to build your own house. God's not going to build your own spiritual legacy. God's not going to fulfill that. He is going to partner with you as the architect, can I get a witness, who has the blueprint and the design for your family. And when you get in line with him, all of a sudden everything starts coming into place God's not like an earthly architect no offense earthly architects matter of fact most construction workers this is a common phrase on the construction job whether it's residential commercial or industrial if those architects had to build what they were drawing they would build it differently because when you're in an office sketching it out, sometimes it didn't work like that in reality. But you know that's not how God's plans are. God has the ability to give a set of plans that never need altering. Therefore, we don't need to tamper with them. We just need to align ourselves with them and say, God, you have the divine plan. May I walk it out in my own life. When you're walking out God's divine plan, do you know what goes with it? God's divine protection. Look at it right here. It's laid out at the end of verse 1. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. You can sit on the wall all day. You can sit up all night and watch your kids. You can say, you can do all these things. They have a term for them now. They're called helicopter parents. Because they hover over their children. They hover over their children, whether they're at church, whether they're at school, whether they're at the baseball park, whether they're, no matter where they are, they're hovering over them. Maybe they remember how bad they were. That's why they need a little hovering. I don't know they're, how they were individually. But they hover over them. Matter of fact, this person wrote a book that says how to break the hover in the hover parent so that your children may not panic when they go to college. I mean, it's crazy. Children are getting to college now, and they, they can't, they can't, they're, their parents so protect them and so do all their work for them, they think they have to be the end-all, be-all for their kids seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm telling you that you can sit up seven days a week, 24 hours a day and watch over your kids, but unless the Lord has his eye upon them, you watch in vain. The reality is that we, if we have God's divine plan, then we are walking out God's divine plan, then we have God's divine protection. And if you have God's divine protection in this passage of Scripture, it says that you get God's divine provision. Look at it. I'm not making this up. It says right here very clearly, it says uh, in verse 2, in vain you get up early and you stay up late working hard just to have enough. Anybody ever feel that way besides me? I get up early. I stay up late, I have one job, I have two jobs, I have three jobs, just to what? Make ends meet. The Bible says that when you, if you will just get a hold of God's plan, you'll have his protection and then you can walk out his provision. 
You see, God has the ability to take little and make much. I don't have time to illustrate it all, but just go with me through the New Testament. I mean, whether they couldn't pay their taxes, they went down there and took a fish and there was money in the fish's mouth. Or whether it was, we don't have enough food to feed them. And he takes a little bit, several times, more than one occasion, and multiplies a few naughty biscuits and bony fishes and feeds multitudes. Or whether it's in the Old Testament, if it's a widow with just one little bit of meal in a barrel and just a little bit of oil in a jar that runs throughout the whole season. Whether your brook dries up like Elijah, God delivers you to the next place. When Elijah found himself in the middle of a drought, he said, go and sit by the brook Cherubeth. And when he sat by the brook Cherubeth, the water ran and he drank from the brook and the ravens brought him food every day. When the brook dried up, God didn't forget about him. He said, go to the widow's house. The widow said, I don't have enough for you. Only enough for me and my son. And he said, if you'll trust God, God will take care of you, your son, and me. And they trusted God. Guess what happened? It began to multiply and multiply and multiply. God has the ability to multiply what we have if we will be faithful with him. The reality of it is that we want to be faithful with everything else, but not with God. Now, <clears throat> if you're sitting out there, go ahead and do like this. Sit on your hands. If you're, lay, if you're a man, sit on your hands. If you're a woman, pull your purse close to you. Because you see, what we do with our provision is we allocate it to everything else in the world. And at the end of all everything else, there's just a little bit of leftover for God. And we take that little bit of leftover and we give it to God and say, Now, God, why am I running out in all these other areas? When the reality of it is, if you would just do what God said at the beginning of it and just lay out what God required and says, God, here's my offering unto you, here's my tithe unto you, what you would see happen is that God would begin to multiply that out over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's a biblical principle. It's a biblical plan. God designed it that way. Try me and see if I won't bless you. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out more on you than you can understand. But if you don't try him, if you don't do it God's way, if you, if you try to cheat God and multiply to everybody else, you know what will happen. You'll have one job. You'll have two jobs. You'll have three jobs. You'll have four jobs. You may even have five jobs. How in the world could somebody have five jobs? I, I had five jobs before. They have to be very creative jobs. But there's a way that you can pull it off. But if you would just take what you have and put it in the hand of God, he will begin to prosper you in his provision. And then when we think about this, it's so interesting because we have his divine protection, his divine provision, his divine plan, and then we get God's divine purpose. What is he leading up to? Well, it's laid out here very clearly in verse 3. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Children are a great reward. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And the sons born in one's youth. Wow. Wow. Here's the great reward. Here's the great reward. Here's the great purpose. You say, wait a minute. I thought you said God had a plan. Yeah, he does. God has a set of plans that if you will follow them, you will fulfill your purpose for your life. One of the greatest tragedies in the world is that so many people are going to work every day. They're punching a clock. They're signing in. They're doing time. And they're miserable. And on Monday, they say this. 
I wish it was Friday. Which means there's really a whole lot of, there's not a lot of value between Monday and Friday in my life. Now, I know I'm meddling right here. Just hang on for a moment. Because there's no joy in what you're doing. You're just doing time. If you're just doing time, I can pretty much tell you that you're not fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. If you're wishing your life away, saying, I wish it was this, I wish it was this. When a person, when a person is doing what God created them to do, they never have to work again. Because it's a life of fulfillment. To fulfill the purpose for your life. And the, what is the purpose for our life? What was the purpose for Adam and Eve in the beginning? To reproduce children who would be in the image of the Son of God who could worship God. What happened? They failed. They missed the mark. They didn't do it. So what did they do? According to Luke 3 and 38, they reproduced. I mean, according to uh, Genesis 5, 1 through 3, it says, And Adam reproduced sons in his own image. But, but, because of the cross, but because of Christmas morning, but because of the virgin birth, but because of the sinless life, but because of the cross, but because of the resurrection, now you and I, who were lost, can be found. You and I, who escape religion, can now find a relationship under the finished work of Calvary. So therefore, when we have children... It's our job to lead those children in a way that they will help fulfill our purpose. What was our purpose? To be a child of God and then to lead others to become children of God. You say, Pastor, I don't have any children. Does that mean I don't have a purpose? Absolutely not. You say, Pastor, I don't have any children. Does that mean I won't have a legacy? Absolutely not. Because you see, for every parent that it does not have the ability to have children, or, or for every person that God is not paired up with a mate and, and, and they're single, for every person that not, does not have physical children, there is a lot of physical children that do not have parents. Now, they may have had somebody who created them, like had sex and had a baby, and they may have them, but they're not moms and they're not dads. And so there's all these Children who are not only physical orphans, but who are spiritual orphans because they have nobody to come along beside them and believe in them and encourage them and strengthen them and equip them so that they may be able to lead others to become children of God. That those children may find that God has a purpose for them. Do you know who feels like they don't have much of a purpose? Children who don't even know their parents. Children whose parents have walked out. Children whose parents have abandoned them. And what they need is people who are willing to come along beside them and say, let me make this journey with you. Let me take this stretch with you. Children, parents who are willing to be foster, foster uh, people who are willing to be foster parents are not even uh, legal foster parents, but are willing to take children in, even if it just be for a season, that they may come along beside them and say, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has protection for you. God has provision for you. God has a destiny for you. If you will believe in, if you will cling to, if you will rely on the name of Jesus Christ, you can have victory through him. God has a plan. What does all this equal? 
a person with a fulfilled life. Look at it in verse 5. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Such men will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. You say, well, Pastor, I wish that was really true. I have children that are putting me to shame every day. I don't know where they are. We prayed a while ago for a little girl named Whitney whose parents don't know where she's at. She's lost somewhere out there in the world. But you know what, God? God knows where she's at. God knows what's going on. And he gave us this powerful story in the book of Luke 15 about Jesus being surrounded by religion and Jesus being surrounded by sinners. And what he was trying to do was make saints out of both of them. And he used this powerful story of a shepherd who left 99 sheep to go after one. About a woman who, he, it was just one sheep, he had 99 more. It was just one coin that she lost. But she stopped what she was doing and she swept the house and she searched diligently and looked for it until she found it. It was just one son that went off. He still had another one. But it was just one son that was so full of himself in Luke 15 that he couldn't even rejoice with the father over prodigal. A prodigal who had come home. Today, God has a plan for every man, woman, boy, and girl. The question is, will we believe it? Will we buy into it? Will we be all that God has designed us?